And you do so much. What's the fuel that burns, that runs the engine here? I like to have fun. And to me, those kind of things are fun. WordFest is fun. Putting on shows is fun. Storytelling is fun. And the work with the water is important. Mm. Um, so things that are important, things that are fun, follow your passion, follow your bliss, all those things. Mm-hmm. I decided to do that. Oh, You're listening to The Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 91, The Undefinable Spirit, Donna McCaw, Elora's Creative Dynamo. I don't need your rocking chair. Well, welcome to the SIL podcast and another episode of The Undefinable Spirit. And today on the podcast, we are talking with the amazing Donna McCaw, who lives in Alora, Ontario. Now, Donna has many points of light shining off in different directions. She originated and hosts WordFest, an evening of poetry, prose, and music that happens twice a year in Alora. She's a storyteller and a writer of five books, including books on poetry, short stories, and a book on retirement readiness. Donna is an arts organizer, a performer and poet, a public speaker on the subject of women's retirement, a retired high school teacher of English drama, cooperative education and peer helping, and an inveterate traveler. She's been to New Zealand, India, Portugal, Mexico, and many other countries. And she's a water activist in Central Wellington, for which she recently received a Senate 150 medal for her work with the group Save Our Water. Welcome to the podcast, Donna. Mm. Hi, Donna. My goodness, that was uh, quite the introduction. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, you've done a lot in your life, and you continue to do a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, You've traveled to many countries around the world. What would you say you've brought back from any of these countries and... What have you learned in your travels there? Well, I learned that people are people, but um, their values may be different, their philosophies may be different, their ways of looking at the world may be different, and not to just make assumptions. Mm -hmm. And is there a favorite country that you visited? Well, believe it or not, I've been to India four times. I really didn't Mm. plan that. I had never desired a desire to go to India, but as it turned out, I went there four times, and that was... uh, very, very interesting because it's quite different than here. Yeah. Good karma to go to India four times. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people put uh, this sort of spiritual overlay on India. Yeah. But uh, it was really exploration that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Mm. You're a creative writing teacher, and you bring a wide range of experience to everything that you do. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of fostering creativity in your life and in the life of others? Well, when life is raining on you, art is the umbrella. Mm. <laughs> so right from my time as a child, I loved reading. I like escaping into novels. And then I discovered poetry and the precision and the word choice and 
really could appreciate the poetry that I read. And it took me to places that the novels couldn't do, to emotional depths as well as awarenesses and in a very quick ride. Mm. I'm also a fan of visual art and sculpture and so on and uh, storytelling. And it just adds such a rich dimension to the rest of our lives. Yeah, and was your family kind of encouraging you in that direction when you were a kid? Absolutely not. No. Um, no. <laughs> I'm from a farm, and on the farm, you have seven days of work. So any time wasted reading a book or listening to music is time away from work. Hmm. That was very, very important. So I had to very often uh, find hiding places to read and that's just the way it was. Wow. I think a lot of creative people have that struggle at home when they're young, trying to find themselves, find their own uniqueness and their own creative juices, and you have to fight for it sometimes. Yeah. One thing I've noticed is an awful lot of um, creative people had an illness in their childhood yeah. and had to create their own worlds and their own minds yes. uh, when they were recovering because they couldn't be physically active Mm -hmm. And so they became mentally active and made up stories or songs or images or whole new worlds for themselves. What kind of impact did your parents have on you and your thinking and your development, your creative development? Well, I was really lucky that they did see having an imagination as a positive thing. Mm -hmm. um, we had no libraries. We had no places to get books. But when I... At a certain age, they got me a bicycle so I could ride to a general store where they had a few books to lend. Now, mind you, most of those books were written in the 1800s. Mm, really? Where did you come from? What community did you grow up in? I lived uh, uh, south of London on the way to Sarnia, out in the country. Okay. And we had Reader's Digest condensed books that I could get from my grandfather. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather was a reader, but his books very often had things that my mother thought were a little advanced for her young girl. So I was a teenager before I got to borrow any of my grandfather's books. He had mm -hmm. books like D.H. Lawrence, for example. <laughs> <laughs> so it took a while before I could get to those. And then I went to a country school, and in the country school, every month, there was a box of books that would arrive suitable for grade one to grade eight. And my goal was to read every one of those books before the following month. And I succeeded until Moby Dick. <laughs> Moby Dick. Moby Dick did me in. I didn't finish that darn book. And why was that? I ran out of time. You know, when you're trying to read 30 books and one of them's Moby Dick, you just run out of time, especially when you have to hide to read it. <laughs> Donna, what keeps you motivated and energized when it comes to all of the activities you engage in? You do so much. What's the fuel that burns, that runs the engine here? I like to have fun. And to me, those kind of things are fun. WordFest is fun. Putting on shows is fun. Storytelling is fun. And the work with the water is important. Mm. Um, so things that are important, things that are fun, follow your passion, follow your bliss, all those things, mm -hmm. I decided to do that. 
Wow. How dare you not be depressed and sad That's and right. anxious ridden <laughs> right. and all the other things that modern humanity is supposed to be. <laughs> now, beyond your poetry books, uh, you've written a book called It's Your Time, which is about yes. retirement readiness. What compelled you to write this book? And can you share one piece of advice that people often don't consider when it comes to retirement? Most people, when they're coming to retirement, think about finances. That's the biggest fear prior to retirement, that I'm going to run out of money or I won't have enough money. Mm. Uh, there's the longevity risk fear. Once they are retired, that changes. And then it's a question of what is my purpose now? How do I see my purpose? How do I structure my life? Mm. And how do I find my community? How do I find my people? Because very often we get our purpose from work. It structures our lives. And we have our social milieu with people we work with or for. So that changes what we need to do. And very often we need to do that preparation before we retire so we just don't end up like Wiley Coyote hanging over the canyon and falling into depression, despair, anxiety, all the things that take us to counselors mm -hmm. in our retirement. Do most people overestimate or underestimate what they need for retirement? They do both. All the companies try to scare us to bits with how many millions of dollars we need in order to mm -hmm. live our lives. But if we have been financially prudent and are not in a debt hole, then we should be okay. We do have OAS. We do have CPP. We do have a guaranteed income supplement. So we usually don't fall below the poverty line. In the U.S., it's about 25% of people in their senior years are in poverty. In Canada, it's about 6-7%. Hmm. Well, so, notable difference, sorry. Yes, it is, absolutely. So we have a fairly good quality of life. The problems come with debt. Using your home as an ATM, not paying your debts, getting into debt, or scams, or health problems that take the rug out from under you and you don't have proper insurances. I have a talk called Potholes and Possibilities. Mm. There are all kinds of potholes along the way that we need to avoid. But then, there are all these possibilities. This could be the best time of your life. Mm. So you need to govern yourselves accordingly as you're approaching that. Another thing I find is a lot of people are in complete denial. A lot of us are from the sex, drugs, and rock and roll generation that is never going to get old. I was right? just going to say that. Really aging. I was just going to say that. What about people who just don't want to feel like they're aging or don't acknowledge right. it, right? Yeah. People tell me, I'm never going to retire. Really? Well, one of the biggest demographics is the 100 plus. Mm -hmm. Are you really going to be working the way you're working now when you're 100? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and speaking of potholes, it reminded me of water immediately when you said potholes. Moving on to the subject of water, can you talk about Save the Water and the whole activist movement that has mobilized everywhere where water is seen as critical to the community? Well, we're in an era where people are realizing that there is a possibility of the monetizing of water. So are we going to privatize water or is it a human right? And that's the bottom line. Mm. So in Center Wellington, 
Nestle purchased a well and they want to take 1.6 million liters of water a day and put it in plastic water bottles and take it out of the watershed to sell it. And our community needs more municipal wells. So this becomes the front line for that debate. Is the water that is underneath our feet in the aquifer for a company's bottom line shareholders profit or is it for the ecosystem? Is it for the local municipality? Who controls that water? Mm. So it becomes a very, very basic, profound question. Question of, yeah, rights, as you say. There are other local municipalities, like I think Erin, Ontario, right. that voted as a local government to accept some sort of deal for their water that they felt they was beneficial. They don't particularly like Nestle being there either, yeah. but if they're going to be there, and the Ontario government has given them a permit to allow them to be there, the least they could do is make some kind of payment to the municipality that mm. is losing its groundwater. Vittel France is out of groundwater because they have been pumping water and Nestle's been pumping there since 1990. Mm. They are told as a community, you need to pipeline it in from another town. Yeah. Meanwhile, Nestle keeps pumping. Huh. Wow. We do not want to be in that kind of position here. Yeah. And that's why provincial governments and our federal government need to come up with policies for water security. Canadians have this myth of abundance. We've got so much water in Canada. Well, how much of it is accessible? How much of it is safe? How much of it is not polluted? How much of it is usable? Mm. Well, that's a different story. Yeah. And there have been events organized around saving the water. Singers, songwriters, and poets all coming together locally and elsewhere, haven't there? Yes, we have a photographer in town who's doing mm. a series of portraits. She's done 158 so far of local people mm. who are defining themselves as water protectors. Yes. And we're hoping to make calendars and maybe a book about the fight that's going on here, about the concern for water here. We've had art shows. We've had people donate to a hydrogeologist, toward a lawyer. This is an amazing creative community. We've done a video we're doing more videos, wanting to get the word out about what's going on in this community. Just curious, how much federal or provincial interest have you garnered? Is anyone knocking at your door? We certainly are being listened to by the Ministry of the Environment, Conservation and Parks, by their staff, mm. as well as by their minister. Our councillors and mayor have met with provincial reps. It's the province that gives that permit. So they are the ones with the power for decision-making, and they are re-rating, redoing the regulations at the moment. The Liberal government put a moratorium on new permits to take water for commercial water bottling. The Conservative government extended that for yet another year mm. until they can figure out what their approach is going to be concerning water. And what's your role in Save Our Water? Do you assume a particular area of responsibility? Uh, there are a group of us that meet 
weekly and uh, work on what our approach is going to be going forward. Yeah, good, good. And in that regard, have you done some writing, poetry-wise? I've written some articles and sent many, many, many letters off. We've done letters to every MPP in Ontario. We've done reports. I've done editing, some writing. I've written articles for a magazine called The Watershed Sentinel and... Yes, there's been a great deal of writing, but none of it creative, I would say. Have you attracted the attention of other communities around the province or the country? They're watching us. This is the bellwether place. Hmm. When we talk to other mayors and other municipalities, they said, well, we're going to wait and see what happens in Centre Wellington. And is there a kind of a time frame for when this quote-unquote battle needs to be resolved? One way or the other? Well, the moratorium that was put into place is up January 1st of 2020. Mm-hmm. It could be extended again. We don't know that, but that's the date we're working toward at this point. Okay. Box, box. So, what's your story? Language pursues beauty, harries it, hounds it, courses it across the rough lands of inquiry, and in so doing can itself be beautiful. Ripple on ripple, image on image, wheel within a wheel like the circles that we find in the windmills of our mind. <laughs> Noel Harrison. Noel, as you so rightly, Harrison. Language is more than just a means of communication. Oh, of course it is, of course it is, of course it is, of course it is. <laughs> language is my mother, my father, my husband, my brother, my sister, my whore, my mistress, my checkout girl. Language is a, a complimentary moist lemon-scented cleansing square or handy freshen up my pet. Um, language is the breath of God. Language is the dew on a fresh apple. It's the soft rain of dust that falls into a shaft of morning light as you pluck from an old bookshelf uh, a half-forgotten book of uh, erotic memoirs. Box, box. Donna, I've heard you at various word fests and other occasions perform your stories and your poetry, and you have lots of wonderful energy. You always engage the audience really uh, powerfully. Do you have anything on hand that you could maybe share with us today? Maybe something fairly short. Sure. Yeah. Mm. Love to hear it. Well, here's something about what happens every spring. You know how every spring a young boy's fancy turns to baseball and a young girl's fancy doesn't? (laughs) Yes. This is called Something Stupid. I can feel something stupid coming up. A big risk. A new fool, a throw-it-all-away day, a new start with a new heart, a stirring up. Something's coming up. <laughs> what? That was a dead ending, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get into that new relationship, mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure out what's going on. So this one's called Name That Tune. One step left, one step right, one step back. Spend the night, hop on one foot, slide away, hold my hand, spend the day, try the jive, how do you feel, waltz around, share a meal, do a spin, don't dare fall, see you again, give me a call, dip and dive, take a chance, now you're doing the definition dance. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) And we should remind people too Donna, of course, you're aware of this, no doubt, that uh, April 
is National Poetry Month. It is. Mm-hmm. And it's a month when people need to write a poem, read a poem, share a poem, give some energy to do a random to act of poetry. Now, what does that mean when you do a random act of poetry? Well, that was uh, something started by Wendy Morton out in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. And she would go into old folks' homes, engage somebody, and then she would write a poem for them. She did this in graveyards, in coffee shops, in old folks' homes. And some of them she had framed, and then she would take them back to that old folks' home or coffee shop or um, write them on a piece of paper and give them out to people on the street. Or she would be on a bus and say, would you like to hear a poem, either to one person on the bus or everybody on the bus? And so she called it Random Acts of Poetry. It's lovely. There's also uh, poetry in your pocket day, I think, too. Yeah. As part yeah, of this. same idea. Right? Same, same idea. idea. So while we're on the subject of all these uh, ideas and so on, would you like to give the listeners a little bit of information as to where they can reach you, a website, uh, other areas where you have your information or whatever you're doing, events and so on? People can take a look at donnamacaw.ca, and that's a website about the It's Your Time book. Mm-hmm. They can also come to WordFest in Alora on April the 25th at the Alora Center for the Arts, 7 o'clock, and come see what we do at WordFest. It's a great event. I really would encourage anyone to get to it. It's just beautiful. It's a lovely, it's very relaxed, casual, and uh, it's a very huge, forgiving audience. Very forgiving, <laughs> open audience. They don't throw stuff nope. except joy. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one more poem. Oh, good. We had the spring coming up, then we had the definition dance, and then this one is sort of about marriage. Hmm. It's called I Blame Myself. And it starts with a quotation Marriage is like the Middle East. There are no solutions. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I blame myself. I found that when I got married, I lost millions of brain cells. I'm not alone in this. The men that I married had the same thing happen to them. <laughs> Billions of brain cells gone in one simple ceremony. I love it. That's it? <laughs> I love it because Harry, some time ago, out of the blue, he asked me this question, which I was completely not expecting. He asked me what was one of the most valuable takes from my marriage of 40 years. Like, what's the most important, most significant thing that comes to your mind? And my answer, just impulsively responding, was not to lose myself. Yes. Yes. And, you know, Donna, you're very good, I've noticed, at connecting people with each other. You connected me with Scott Wicken, for example, at the Leonard Cohen tribute event, and he's now going to be part of Day of the Poets Festival on April 13th in Orangeville. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, but you have a knack for doing that. What's your impulse in doing that? Why do you do that, connect people like that? I think people's lives are richer when they can find their people, when they can find the people that are like tuning forks with them Mm -hmm. on a similar vibration, on a similar path, have interesting things to talk to one another about. It's invigorating, you know, Mm -hmm. to share passion. Wonderful. Any last words, anything that you think we should have asked you that we forgot to and Mm -hmm. that you'd love to talk about? 
No, I appreciate your calling. I appreciate your being involved in this and what you're doing for the April 13th day and for spreading the word about writing and creativity and poetry and passion. I think it's a fabulous idea. Thanks, Donna. Thanks very much. Really enjoyed this. Yeah, thank you again. All right. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, and hope to see you on the 13th. Will do. Very good. Thanks, Donna. All right. Talk to you later. Bye now. The Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. Retirement don't fit in my plan. You can keep your seat, I'm gonna stand. And Eskimo needs a frigid air. Like I need your rocking chair. Oh.